Welcome to the RV Podcast, episode 432. And this week, don't drink dirty campground water. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Wendell, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And we've been uh, living the RV lifestyle now for 11 years. And uh, it every day is an adventure, and adventure still awaits. We uh, are simulcasting this podcast uh, on uh, all of our favorite uh, Facebook channels and uh, YouTube and, of course, uh, all your favorite apps. Please subscribe to this RV podcast if you like what you hear. We got a lot to talk about. We're coming to you still from Florida. We've been down here the better part of a month now. And uh, after our winter camp up in the UP last uh, January, early in January, uh, we are now uh, in Florida and about ready to start making our way north again. Uh, it's 70 degrees out there. It's kind of hard to give up short sleeve shirts and <laughs> shorts and sunshine, but uh, that's the adventure of travel, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, this week, we are off to one of our favorite places, Tennessee. Yes, we're going to Linden, Tennessee. We'll be leaving there in just about a day. And uh, we'll spend some time up in Linden and park our fifth wheel and make it settled and nice and at home. Yep. Uh, we're obviously going to be camping on our uh, RV property that we bought in Linden, Tennessee. And we will be doing a meet and greet with people coming down for the big um, sale, the one-day sale that they're doing Saturday at the Woodlands at Buffalo River. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, below. You can find them. Um, and we'll be hanging out with those folks on uh, Saturday as they uh, visit the, the church uh, on Main Street where they're all going to gather uh, before they go out on a tour of the property. And we'll also probably hang out at the Commodore Hotel on Friday night. A lot of them stay there uh, yeah, when they come down the night before, you know, for the thing. So we'll hang out there at the Commodore with our friends. And we have Linden. We can't wait to hang out on our property and little little R and R there. That's a added uh, blessing of that property. It's so nice and quiet. And it'll give us a nice respite before we uh, continue heading north. Heading north. And um, lots on staff, lots of videos that we've been producing on the YouTube channel, uh, still showing some of the models, the many different models we toured to the point of exhaustion. <laughs> the Tampa RV show, the super, uh, Florida RV Super Show earlier in uh, January, and we're still showing videos from that. So we'll be, we've got lots of video editing to do. Um, interesting uh, content for our interview of the week this week at that show we met uh, a friend of ours keith bernard who has what we think is the single best water filtration system for rvers and we're going to talk about uh, how not to drink dirty campground water and uh, that's coming up uh, you want to listen to that uh, a lot of information about you know how you fill how we should filter the water uh, when we hook up our hoses at a campground. So we'll get to that right uh, right now, but uh, we were just talking about the woodlands, so let's listen to this message from the woodlands at Buffalo River. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds and competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. It was for Jen and me. We bought some land just west of Nashville, Tennessee in an incredible collection of mountaintop RV properties called the Woodlands at Buffalo River. 
These are five to 62 acre properties that allow RVs year round starting at $79,900. And we loved it. The scenery is breathtaking and you can own it outright. It's not a timeshare. It's your property, your way. You can landscape, garden, bring your pets, build what you want to. There's high speed internet and it's so private. It's a great place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations, ready whenever you want. And they're selling these properties by appointment, five to 62 acres, $79,900. Financing, big discounts available on multi-lot packages. For information, visit myrvland.com, myrvland.com. Welcome back. And again, we're really looking forward to meeting you at the uh, sale if you're coming down on Saturday. And uh, that will uh, be the 4th of February when we'll uh, be hanging out uh, in Linden. All right. Our content this week has to do, the interview of the week has to do with um, when you hook up your RV water hose to the spigot at a campground. Just how clean is it? In many cases, it's not very clean at all. Many campgrounds have very old systems, the infrastructure, the piping, there's sediment that comes through, there's all sorts of bacteria, and your job is to filter them off. Now, everybody knows you should get a filter, but there are different kinds of filters, and we want to talk about the kind that we use. Now, we have no financial incentive in this at all. We don't, uh, they're not a sponsor, but the one we use is called the Clear 2.0 system. And uh, they were at the Tampa RV Super Show when we were there. And we asked uh, Keith Bernard, who's the CEO, to give us a demonstration of just how their system is a little bit different and why that type of filtering system that uh, Clear 2.0 has is something that you'd want to you'd wanna add to your uh, equipment for water as well. Well, Keith, it's great to have you on the podcast. And uh, this is an important topic for RVers because uh, the water we hook up at campgrounds and sometimes at uh, national parks and state parks is not necessarily the best water out there. So why don't you give us a quick overview on what we need to know about the water that we put into our RV from a campground? Absolutely. Well, you, you already know that many campgrounds are on a well system. And many campgrounds, they just take that water straight out of the ground, straight through that well, and you're not getting a lot of, of, of treatment to the water itself. Sometimes they're also in public water supply, but you have a lot of other problems, like different areas of the country have different problems. Hydrogen sulfide is one of those. If you've ever been to a campground and had that rotten egg type of smell or taste, and that's hydrogen sulfide that comes in the water. That's taken care of mostly by a sprayer system, but if that campground doesn't have that kind of technology or that kind of treatment, then you get all that taste in your water overall. So the key thing is you can actually control how much you drink and take out all those contaminants by using a filtration system. So it's the easiest thing to do to, because that way you know what's coming out and you're making that clean water at your location. Now I should point out you are not a sponsor I have uh, you, I have no financial stake in uh, selling your products, but I should also tell everybody I have exclusively been using your filters for the last two years, and uh, they're different. Yep. They're different than anything else I've tried. Now let's talk about the general, we'll come to yours in a minute, but okay. let's talk about the general filters that people pick up in maybe a, you know, a big camping store. Sure. I've got actually some things here I can actually show you as well. 
If you buy the normal inline filters, which is the most common filter out there, is the normal inline filters, those are granular carbon. So I don't know if the camera can see that overall, but that's granular carbon. That's what's actually inside those. So there are a number of on also. You may be familiar with this. There's a lot of people are buying this filter now as well. And the what you can see is foam inserts and then granular carbon inside. The What's key, the point of the foam inserts? It just keeps the carbon from falling out. If you've actually used these types, of, there's a lot of powder because the carbon hits each other and it causes a lot of powder. And you get a lot of that black that when comes out. Yes. That's all carbon powder that's actually been rubbed together while it's in travel, etc. So the key that's thing why is you should always flush them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we recommend two things. One, always flush the spigot before you hook up. I don't know if you've done this where if that, that spigot hasn't been used for a while, quite often you'll see a lot of rust and debris that comes out. You don't want to blow all that into your, your filter because it'll clog it up. So always just run it for just a second or two and just flush that spigot out. Then when you hook up, flush your filter as well, especially when they're brand new because you'll get a lot of that carbon dirt coming out or that, that carbon powder coming out overall. And that's that black stuff. So this is probably the most common kind, the, the granulated. That's right. Like that. That's right. What is the next step up uh, to make this water as good tasting and clean as possible? Well, let me let me tell you what the difference is because then you'll understand a little bit better. When you have granulated carbon, it's anywhere from 25 to 100 micron. Okay, so a human hair is about 30 microns. So it'll just give you some idea on how big the space is once you're dealing with this. And water has a tendency to flow and channel through it. So if somebody says, that thing didn't work, well, quite often it's because the water is flowing through it without touching the carbon too much. And so you're not getting a whole lot of exchange. The way carbon works is it actually has to pull out the contaminant, and to do that, it actually needs to have some time with the water. It needs so to it needs spin to kind of some flow time. all the way through here. Correct. It yeah. needs to kind go through, through the carbon. It. Seep through it. That's yeah. right. And when it rushes straight through, there's just not a lot of time to pull anything out. So should you, should you if you have that kind of filter, should you shake it up a little bit then before you, uh, you use it? You, you can. Know? It doesn't do it. Make, it's not going to make any difference other than quite the, often what happens is it gets clogged in there and, and, and it's already done. But granular carbon is still never going to give you anything lower than a 25 micron uh, overall. So we're actually solid carbon block. And so I actually have, I apologize for taking this out of a bag, but I brought one here as well and it'll give you a better idea. So this is actually what's inside ours. And so this is one micron all the water has to pass through the filter itself and then channels through the filter and then comes out the end overall so all the water has to pass through it slows down so you have a lot of time for it actually to have exchange so that's how we can remove lead and mercury and hydrogen sulfide and all the other problem stuff that's in the water and this is the big difference between what we can do and give you much cleaner water overall. so the cliff notes carbon will filter the water much better. Does it reduce the water flow much? Well, it does a little bit. And so the fact is, is this is a three gallon per minute. And usually the, the normal granulated ones are four gallons a minute. So okay. it does cut the water flow a little bit. But most people know that their shower is a gallon and a half per minute. So they use their shower as the thing. 
So you have a long way above before you actually get to the point where you recognize that it actually is any slower at all, okay. okay? In addition to that, we have had a number of people who have wanted a higher flow, and we brought out a brand new one here at the show, which is this unit here is the five micron. So this five micron will be available here at the show, and actually it will be in our warehouse in the next two months, and we'll have that available uh, for sale. And it's going to give you 50% more flow. So it actually is going to be closer to the four and a half to five gallon per minute range. And I see a bunch of different systems. I have this and I have that. They both kind of work together. That's right. Uh, so explain that to me. Why, why would you want to have a filter and this is a bigger chunk of carbon? Sure. No, actually this is a pre-filter. So this filter is actually inside this. And so what this does is it allows you to have a pre-filter and takes out all the sand and silt and sediment and remove everything before it gets to your carbon filter because the sediments are gonna clog. Any carbon filter you have is gonna be clogged with sediment. So this allows you to take all this out. We make all, both a 20 micron and a 10 micron in this. And we made this out of a very durable plastic overall, it's polyethylene. And we made it so that you could scrub it and you can actually backwash it. So by backwashing it, you'll, you'll be able to blow this out backwards and you'll see a bunch of brown come out usually. And that actually is what's going to allow you to be able to continue to use and reuse. It's not a permanent filter, so you eventually do have to, to use it. I have a used one here. It'll give you an example to some degree of what a used one's going to look like. And then this is getting pretty close to the time you need to replace it. Okay, but you continue to use it until it's done and be able to make very good clean water. And now you can have two stages of filtration with your normal inline filter. We also made an adapter because there's a number of people who use a carbon filter in front of their water softener. But as we already talked, the water just goes straight through. So it's really not doing a lot of good before that. because That's kind of a waste of money to do that. But now you can convert by using our adapter, you can convert this to a pre-filter only and it allows you to be able to use it in front of your softener. And now you're keeping everything out of that softener and that allows that softener to work a lot better overall. So for the average RVer, I need a filter. Start with this. If I was only going to do one, this is the one I would do this. Uh, That's right. This one right That's here. right. Okay. So you'd start with that and then we've basically made a Swiss Army knife of uh, of systems so that you can actually then adjust that. We would recommend to go back into the dirt guard as you're going out more often and you need more. It's going to lengthen the life of your filter as well as it's going to take out all of the sediment that you'll see. How often should the pre-filter be replaced? How long? Usually we're finding four to six months depending on if you're a full-time or a part-timer overall but four to six months uh, generally and again you can wash it and backwash it. So if it becomes clogged you just backwash it out and then put it back in and continue to use it. And the backwash it and just reverse it? Yeah so it comes with a couple of different pieces here. We give you both the wrench and then it also comes with this. It comes with a hose. We just recommend that you put it onto the hose itself, and it's just a little adapter. And then you're now able to insert that in and flow backwards. And so you'll see it be able to, again, blow out all that dirt. And, then okay. and you only often, have to do it for a minute or so. And then how often should you replace the, uh, the other filters? These are meant to clog. So because of their solid carbon block, they eventually will be coated and they will clog. 
when you start to see your flow rate get down below two gallons per minute, which is when you're gonna start to see it and feel it in your shower, it's time to get ready to replace it. If you use it a lot, it's um, generally we're getting three months uh, is the average time for most RVers. And if you're in really terrible water, it could actually be faster than that, which if that's the case, then you may move to the five micron and so therefore it's going to have a much higher flow rate. So you should probably buy the system, you buy the system, then at least one replacement for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And that should get probably not a full-time average guy through, average RV through yep. uh, for a full season. Well, and it allows you then to kind of customize as you decide what is fitting you. So if you want higher flow, we have a higher flow. If you want one micron for a better water quality, then we have that as well. We have the 10, the 10 micron, 20 micron. So you can kind of pick and choose what is going to be the best fit for you. So it's really meant to customize to the way you want to filter your water. Well, I so appreciate it. Keith Bernard from Clear 2 Old. Uh, this is the system we use. And again, we have no financial incentive in here. No, nope, uh, no. Nope, other than to nope. make uh, everybody a happy person. That's and we were, we were happy when we discovered that you're using our system. Yes. So we were very happy about that. It's the only one that. I use. And it's the only one we recommend. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this really does make a difference. We've been using it for a long time now and it seems like every campground has its own personality as far as the water is concerned. And That's you just go there and think this is going, you know, this is clean, this is good, this is whatever and it can be better. And uh, this water that comes out of that filter really is good. It's the only one we use and again, we they're not a sponsor. Uh, I think we're going to put a link to them in the show notes, and it's our Amazon link, but that's it. And uh, that's the only connection we have with them other than being happy users and um, can, can wholeheartedly recommend that thing. But the big thing is make sure you know that your water is clean. Put some kind of filter on it, at least. If you, if you don't have the clear 2 system, get some kind of a filter. All right, RV News of the Week coming up right after this. One of the most exciting developments for RVs is happening out west in Arizona. Western Land and Ranches is selling five-acre high-elevation ranches just off the famous Route 66, the birthplace of the American road trip. Prices start at only $39,900, and these are beautiful, secluded tracts of land surrounded by majestic mountain ranges with sweeping valley views. The high elevation is a unique microclimate as well, giving you cooler temperatures, green grasses, and tree cover, making it unique for desert property. The community is in the center of it all, close to the best of the West, Grand Canyon, Las Vegas, Lake Havasu, Lake Mead, Lake Mojave, the Colorado River, Flagstaff, Sedona, and Historic Williams. If you're tired of crowded RV parks and paying high fees for sites, well, ownership might be right for you. This incredible collection of mountaintop properties called Greenwood Ranches hit the market and it's selling out fast. There is no HOA. You can build a house, a cabin, outbuildings, or just RV. It's your property, your way, 100% ownership. Visit the website to get details and set up a showing, ArizonaRVLand.net. That's ArizonaRVLand.net. Welcome back. Time now for the RV News of the Week. And I've got the first story, something about Yosemite. If you're planning to see Yosemite National Park's famous Firefall in uh, the upcoming weeks, uh, make sure you make a reservation, like right now. Each of February, thousands come to look at Yosemite's Horsetail Falls at sunset. 
where under the right conditions, the famous waterfall looks a brilliant orange, uh, much like the color of fire, delighting onlookers. For this uh, to happen, the sky needs to be clear, the waterfall needs to be glowing, and the sun needs to be at the right angle, which typically happens mid to late February. The park is estimated that the best time to see this in 2023 will be February 10th through the 27th. So get your reservations. That firefall is spectacular. You gotta be, it's got to be just right. And uh, if you haven't ever seen it, you'll want to. We'll put um, some information below on Yosemite and uh, a link to uh, all that information in the uh, description below. So check it out. Um, if you have an older RV, listen up. This is an important story. After a lot of uh, controversy and lawsuits, um, a federal grand jury is uh, looking at potential criminal evidence against Goodyear Tires as to whether the company knew that its G159 RV tire could fail, but yet did not recall them. Uh, the RV tires blamed for eight deaths and many more injuries. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration officially recalled those tires last year. Now, the tire has not been made in 20 years. And the company uh, said that it's consistently met their rigorous safety requirements. But this controversy over this 20-year-old tire continues and now a federal grand jury is looking into it. We'll keep on top of that story. Again, uh, if you've never heard about that tire and you're not sure it's on your unit, uh, we'll put a link to the full story in the description below. So check that out. It's also at rvlifestyle.com. We'll have a link to all of that for you. And now another story that's going to interest you. A young newlywed couple in the Tampa area who bought a $40,000 RV from Camping World got a television reporter involved after the travel trailer continually leaked despite numerous unsuccessful repairs. The couple's RV leaked so significantly every time it rained, items on the floor were literally soaking wet. Camping World sent someone out about five times to fix it, but uh, none of the repairs worked. Then the company brought the unit into its facility to repair, and that didn't work either. The couple got a local television reporter involved to document what they were dealing with, and Camping World ended up buying the trailer back from the couple and refunding their money. And I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed. You know, yeah. Good sorry, journalism. Always good stories, right? Sorry that it happened, but I'm happy that they stuck with it, and... Uh, they gave them a refund. And, and the company, you know, they came out five times. They took it to their facility, but sometimes there are lemons. But uh, uh, I wonder if that would have happened if the reporter hadn't gotten involved and put it on television. But well. <laughs> uh, whatever, I'm glad the couple got yeah. their money back. Uh, another story that we want to share this week in Texas, we've been talking about all the bad weather that's out there, and it's uh, been sweeping across so much of the country. But a couple in an RV park right along the Texas-Louisiana border captured themselves in some pretty dramatic video escaping their RV with their two dogs and jumping into a ditch as a tornado hit. Uh, the video has made its uh, way around social media and we'll put a link in the show notes that you'll find at rvlifestyle.com. Uh, they had been watching weather reports all day and they, they left the campground in fact because they thought it was coming that way and then 
it looked like the storm was turning and so they came back and then it turned again, came right at them. And uh, that ditch was the safest place they could go. Uh, it's a good reminder to know where the closest shelter is when you're camping and uh, to be prepared. And again, uh, we'll put a link to their video and the story, uh, which you should, we should see. It'll give you a new respect for the weather uh, at uh, rvlifestyle.com. Look for the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Okay, another story. Not such good news. Uh, thieves stole 28 catalytic converters from RVs at a camping world in the Las Vegas area recently. One man told local television station that his RV was there for maintenance. The converter was stolen and now he has to pay his insurance's $1,000 deductible to get it fixed. Catalytic converters contain expensive precious metals and thieves steal them to get the metals and then resell those. The metal. Catalytic converters theft is a huge problem across the country, both RVs and other vehicles. We suggest you do everything possible to prevent yours from getting stolen. And again, we will put a link uh, uh, to a story we did about how to protect yours and what this problem is about uh, at RVLifestyle.com. All right, uh, coming back, we're going to talk about uh, new travel tech in that segment. And we're going to look at ways, you know, you all come back with millions of photos that you take when you go on an RV trip and pretty soon your smartphones are so clogged with pictures. Uh, we're going to talk about how you can organize those, give you some tips in new travel tech, that segment coming up right after this break. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance-free, and battle-borne batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have, and they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back. Time for new travel tech. And in this section, which is sponsored by our friends at newtraveltech.com, our sister blog, uh, which writes about all sorts of apps and ways that you can uh, enhance your travel experience through technology. This is a story they did about how to organize travel photos. Now, we love to uh, memorialize our RV travels by taking a lot of pictures, but it doesn't take more than a couple of trips uh, before somebody's smartphone is absolutely clogged with uh, thousands of photos. And that can happen so easily. Oh, it sure can. Those photos are your memories, you know, to prove that you really were there and, and you are so happy when you're there. You're snapping pictures all over the place and it's uh, so easy to get overwhelmed with them. So how do you organize them? Well, we're going to give you five easy and free things that you can do to organize your photos better. You want to start with the first one? All right, let's get to the first one. The first one is to uh, organizing travel photos is to get rid of them. 
<laughs> that sounds interesting. Delete them. Well, to get rid of a lot of them. Delete them. With uh, digital photos, it's so easy to snap a whole bunch of photos that uh, we overindulge in the clicking because we have to get just the right angle. These we are end my up pictures. with uh, <laughs> uh, several nearly identical photos. Isn't that the truth? Just several, about about ten. That's great for capturing the best image, but not so great for organizing them all. So you um, have. To you have to spend a little bit of time, maybe 30 seconds, to organize those photos. When you get done, maybe that end of the day, go through them and delete all but a couple. Yeah, and the way to do it, at the end of the day, or when you take them, you know, you've taken the pictures, you always take two or three of the same scene. Mm -hmm. So, which is the best one? And get rid of the others, right in, right in the field. If you do that, it will be so much better. So that's the first step. The second tip, step two, is a continuation. Delete more photos. Oh. Yes. Now, you do not need a photo of every detail of your trip. So try and narrow it down in the same way you'd be if you were filling up, you know, a small physical photo album. Remember those that people used to have? Um, which pictures really tell the story of your trip? Um, I mean, is that pretty picture of a flower really going to matter in 20 years? Will you even know where it was taken? Um, is that uh, snapshot of your uh, dessert going to make you yearn for another visit <laughs> 10 years down the line? Uh, likely the answer is no, and you might want to keep them for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, but go through it. Does it really add to anything? And delete those photos. Now you should keep the ones that document special moments, oh, right? Oh, yeah, like it gives you joy. You look at that picture and it sparks joy. Those and are the ones that you need to keep. That's tip three. Keep pictures that spark joy. And uh, what does that mean? And that doesn't, that means it doesn't have to be worthy of printed in a magazine. It sparks joy in you. And it's just something that makes you smile and maybe it uh, jogs your memory. Uh, those are the pictures that over time you're going to be really glad that you kept. So uh, that's uh, tip three, spark and joy. My favorite is tip four. Tip four. You know, don't delete yourself all over the place. Don't make yourself a ghost. That There's no memory that you were ever there. You know, you look and say, oh, my hair wasn't right. Look at that expression on my face. I don't want to keep that picture. Well, you might not like the way your hair looks, but maybe that's the way your hair looks more than you realize your hair looks. Or maybe that expression on your face is really you to your loved ones, and uh, they want to remember you. So don't be too hard of a critic on yourself. And, and a lot of people say, oh, I just don't look good enough, and so I'll just take the picture of everybody else. But, you know, when you go back into it, it's, you know, where was mom or where was dad? So right. put yourself in the photos as well so that you can, you can, your loved ones will see them. The fifth tip. Don't store your pictures on social media. Yeah. You have no control over those platforms. And, and you know, um, that's not really meant to be a, a place to store your pictures. You post those, you share them with somebody else, and then they get lost in the in the stream. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with new posts, we post them. So don't don't do that. And besides, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, they share your photos, but they don't store them. And if you lose your account, or if they go out of business, or if they change their policies, your pictures are gone. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, so there's a couple of better options. Yeah, there, I think. the cloud services are better for storing your photos. Now that can be a problem too, because what if they go out of business? But uh, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can back up your photos in Amazon Photos. So you've got them on your smartphone and there you can do the same thing with Google Photos. But if you cancel your Prime account or you cancel your Google account, your pictures are gone too. So what we think is the best way is to use a small portable hard drive. Yes, that is what, what we consider the absolute best way to store your, your photos on. So go through your photos and see how many of them you can you can delete now if you haven't done this in years you're gonna this is an ongoing project you know delete 50 100 a day or something for a, or a week until you get it in manageable form but i just was scrolling through mine and i have like 14,000 photos going back 10 years. So the best thing is after you take a shot of something that you think is spectacular if you got an extra half a minute go through and weed some of them out. If you can't do that maybe in the evening when you're going through all the pictures that you've taken that day try to go through them then. If not then the next day before you start your day taking new pictures weed it through then because after a week or a month you know then you're going to be hopelessly lost. Yep. So anyway, why do I have so many, by the way? Well, I keep them and I back them all up because we use them for illustrations on all the articles that we do on rvlifestyle.com. So I have an excuse to keep so many photos, but, uh, and Jennifer does too. But uh, unless you have such a need, you know, free up your memory on your smartphone a little and protect the ones that you want. Hey, thanks to our friends at newtraveltech.com for um, this tip and uh, getting us thinking about organizing our photos. And do us a favor, go over and visit them at NewTravelTech.com. We got the RV questions of the week coming up after this. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country. And there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it as one of our sponsors... They have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back. Time now for the RV Questions of the Week. We love getting your questions. Send us your questions and comments at Mike and Jen at RVLIFESTYLE.com. This first one comes from Carrie. And uh, it's kind of a comment, and it's also uh, something that we can kind of talk about a little bit. Uh, here's what Carrie says. She says, uh, I love read and watch YouTube and follow all your content. I've heard you state on camping etiquette various times. Don't come into a campsite late. I try not to, but sometimes travel with my camper for my kids travel sports. And we have had incidents where we couldn't make it to the camp or got held in traffic and came in quite late. We've had permission and contacted the campground, but we try to be quiet and we only do uh, what we call a soft setup. Enough to plug in and sleep, as often a Walmart or a parking lot isn't an option when the athlete needs to be up, eat, showered, and we have to be off early for sporting events. 
we do try our best, but we hope people understand that sometimes it isn't planned or it's not trying to be rude. Sometimes things are out of hand on our arrival times. And I wonder if you and Jennifer have any suggestions or would mention ways to get in late when you must have, uh, you have few other options or ways to lessen the trouble of bothering neighbors. I hope when this has happened that my neighbors could tell we're trying to be quiet and quick and get our lights off as soon as possible. Well, what a nice note from Carrie. Yeah, I have a feeling that Carrie isn't as intrusive as what she thinks she is. And I wonder if when you book that campsite, if you could say you, you're not sure exactly what, you don't want to be too negative about what time you're going to be arriving, but see if you can get a spot where you can sneak in. Yeah, that's a really good thing. Yeah, and and Carrie, you're doing absolutely the right thing. Everybody understands that there are times when, when you have to be quiet. But I will tell you that you woke up your neighbors. You, you know, it's just, you know, in crowded campground, you they woke up when you came in. Now, you were quiet, and I'm sure that your neighbors knew that. But, um, you know, be as quiet as you can. Jennifer's tip, I think, is the best. Just say, hey, we might be late. Is there a place where we can come in and we will bother as few as people as possible? And if you're an experienced camper, you know whether you're a light sleeper or you're not. And it doesn't take you long to realize that you need some white noise in your <laughs> unit. And uh, we've got a dog who likes to bark. And so we run a fan mm -hmm. so that there is this noise so that hopefully he doesn't hear a leaf fall. <laughs> oh, no. A leaf. <laughs> and then he barks. And, and that's something that we do with our dog. So Because you can hear those dogs bark outside the RV, especially Big voiced yeah, dogs big. like Bo. Bo was a big barker. So, so try and make some he has white a noise. Deep uh, voice that resonates. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, Carrie, you know, you're doing all the right stuff, and you're aware and being considered as as possible of your neighbors, and uh, no one can fault you for that. Um, and it's great that you get to share those memories with your youngsters as you take them to sporting events. And let's hope a lot of those people sparks happy memories within them of taking their kids on these events or maybe they do this too or they can find out what's coming. It's just around the corner. <laughs> and most people, I think, are very considerate. Mm -hmm. And most people understand that, you, you, that people come in late. There are some bad ones. We've all heard it and been woken up by inconsiderate neighbors, but that's not you, Carrie, so yeah, keep a, it up. There's a difference of the beer cans popping and the loud music going on <laughs> yep. and trying to yep. sneak in and get the kids settled down. All right, another question. Okay, this next question uh, comes from Larry and Mary Ann. Hi there. Do you have a recommendation for a solar-powered monitor-activated camera that can be uh, recorded when activated? Uh, I do, actually. It's the one that we use on our property in uh, Tennessee. And let me see if I can actually build, bring a picture up for it. It's uh, from a company called Reolink, R-E-O-L-I-N-K. Uh, they're not a sponsor. I'll put a link to uh, our Amazon affiliate link to it so you can see what the camera's like. It's under 200 bucks. It is, um, we bought it with the solar panel. And so it recharges the batteries uh, for you. There's a picture right now, I'll see if I can get it, of our property in Tennessee. We're heading there now. We'll be parking our RV right up over there. But it'll activate me if anybody's on our property. Sometimes I'll see a deer wandering across, but it's a really neat little feature. Um, you do need a cellular connection, and it works uh, on the um, T-Mobile system. So you got to have T-Mobile coverage. Uh, it's, it's just a really neat camera, and you, we put ours up, mounted it up high up on a tree. 
and uh, it's got pan and tilt and uh, all that stuff that you can access through an app uh, and it'll store it, it will record uh, anything that uh, motion activates it. It works with uh, infrared at night so you can see it. Uh, it's very sensitive. Uh, I will get like uh, even today I've had several alerts that have come through motion detected and it's rain because <laughs> it was raining there in Linden uh, earlier today. So I just kind of sometimes will back the sensitivity off but I've been very impressed with this little solar panel that's above it. It keeps it 100% charged. It charges up during the day and uh, it's great. And this whole thing, this whole system, like I said, is under $200. So uh, it's a pretty good system. Uh, Reolink, R-E-O-L-I-N-K. And we'll link to it in the show notes at rvlifestyle.com or in the description below if you're watching this on the YouTube version of the podcast. Again, we would love to get your comments and your questions. We are Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. That's it for this week's podcast. Thank you guys so much for watching. We look forward to meeting uh, many of you in Tennessee down for that uh, big sale at the Woodlands this coming weekend. And for all of you, we hope to see you guys on the road sometime soon. Happy trails! <laughs>